Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Many thanks for joining us on the Journal of Biophilic Design today. We're really excited to be joined by an old friend, um, Adrian Bine. He's director at Benholm Group. They're based up in Scotland. Uh, they work all over the country and elsewhere. They've um, been involved in some recent uh, pioneering research that proves that there is definitely a business case for introducing biophilic design into a workplace. Um, and obviously also that biophilic workplace design has a higher monetary value in terms of well-being and environmental quality than non-biophilic workplace design. We're going to be looking at those. And this is actually a trailer to an event that's going to take place later on in the year, potentially in September, but it'll be in the fall um, of 2023, where um, architects and designers can come along and meet the panel of researchers and also Benon and themselves, um, the researchers being Joyce Chan Shoof, who was the main author. She's a PhD research scholar at Loughborough University. Uh, Professor Derek Clements Croom, uh, who many of you might know, um, is a contributing author as well at the University of Reading. And um, Savannah Willits, who's editor of the PLP uh, Labs team. So, um, yeah, also Adrian was our first interviewee. So I'm really happy to see him again. And uh, what amazing research that you've been involved in. Uh, many thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Vanessa. Thanks for the introduction. Really excited to be on this podcast again. Just uh, yeah, by way of a little bit of background, uh, I'm Adrian Bynd from the Benholm Group, uh, one of the directors here. We are a company that provide plant displays, all types of plant displays. We very much focus on being creative in what we do. So we're always looking to push the boundaries as far as creativity is concerned regarding planting. So. The um, business itself was started by my father and I joined him uh, from more or less from day one. I was just out of school. Um, that's 30 years ago now. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's very much of a, you know, originally we started off just, I say just, but providing office plants. That was our core business at that stage. We've very much expanded now. We do <clears throat> everything plant related. So mainly for the interior situation. Um, in all types of environments, so whether it's offices or the hospitality sector and um, many other sectors too, retail and education and so on. The One of the key elements of the service that we provide is the ongoing maintenance. So I always say if you're going to have plants, they must look nice all the time. Um, so that is kind of a key part of what we do. But our design side of what we do is is based around create, being very creative. We say that at Benholm is where creativity blossoms. Um, that's our strap line. And, you know, we do work with a lot of designers to ensure that we're creating displays that really stand out, make a difference wherever they are. It's really, really, I was just about to say, it's really nice, just as a case in point. So people who are watching this on YouTube, or if they're going to the main website, journalbiophilicdesign.com and click on podcast, um, you'll be able to see behind Adrian um, a beautiful, uh, it looks like a painting, but it's made from moss and there's as a landscape, there's water, there's uh, uh, clouds and sky, there's blue, um, and it's and it's made of moss. Is that right, Adrian? That's correct. Yes, it's um, preserved moss, our Nordic moss range, um, mm. and it's all uh, totally natural preserved moss that uh, doesn't really need any maintenance and can be used in all sorts of different ways. Um, this actual. Uh, picture was created as a result of a in-house competition for a, for an event. Can you tell us what got got you personally into plants? I mean, obviously you said your dad 
started the company? Was it by yeah. default or? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a little bit of a, um, it was a suggestion from a friend. And I think initially it was kind of like, thought it was a bit of a crazy idea. But once we looked into it, we realized that actually, um, you know, it, it was somewhere where we we felt we had a um, an ability to, to make it make an impact always kind of had a bit of an interest in plants going back from <clears throat> being quite young um yeah. enjoying going to the garden center and buying some plants and putting them in my bedroom and so on it was kind of one of those things from quite early days but and also we have a uh, our sort of ancestors if you like back on my like my great grandparents side they were uh they had a small holding and they were into market gardening so it's kind of a little bit there in the in the in the genes i suppose um <laughs> And we're also based in Falkirk in central Scotland, which is the home of a gentleman named George Forrest, who was in the late 1800s, uh, what was called a plant explorer, he used to go around the world, bringing back plants to this country. And um, he had his very, very interesting history of lots of absolutely amazing exploits in eastern China and don't know what else. So, um, But you'll find if you go in the garden centre today, some of the plants you buy will have Forestii on the end of the name and their, their actual species that he brought back to this country. So we like to sort of kind of jump on the uh, on the back of that and say we're kind of continuing the same work that he was doing and bringing plants from all around the world and putting them into buildings in this country today. So obviously, Ben, you've been working and supporting this uh, research, which I think is really good. I'm just going to read off some of the uh, the findings. It says here the study shows an incredible. 200% increase in well-being and the environmental value compared to normal workspace. So basically you, you, you installed some plants and you took them and they, you know, sort of took them away at different stages, um, which we're, we're going to look at later. So, so listeners, this is also a trailer for an actually in-person bit of filming that's going to happen later in the year. We're going to go and film up in Falkirk and um, actually meet the teams and the researchers and also sort of drill down into different elements of the process behind the research what we're doing today is we're kind of looking at the top level kind of um ideas behind why it was done and also why actually Benom got involved I mean what's the, obviously you know you're you're always installing plants and I suppose you yourself Adrian must get asked a lot of time when you're when buying diaper designers and things saying you know how, how am I going to swing this how am I going to get this across the line with a business um owner because obviously they're looking at their bottom line I mean, for, for you, for you as a business and, and also you personally, why was it important for Benholm, for yourself, you know, actually to get involved in this research? There's an understanding now that biophilic design is good for us. Yes. Yeah. You know, this whole aspect of contact with nature, we know it's good for us. The problem comes when at the design stage um, as to the getting that buy-in, that investment um, up front. Um, and there's not a lot of research being done to actually say, well, okay, what does it, you know, what's the impact? What, how, how, how good is it? What, what does it do for us? And I think that was really what was behind the, the, this research to try and give the, um, at designer level, at investment level, something, some kind of monetary value, um, of biophilic design. Um, and, you know, I think it's really powerful that the, the outcomes have shown what they have um, in that, you know, you're seeing a massive um, improvement from a, a typical or a sort of a baseline non-biophilic space to any kind of biophilic intervention um, and having such a massive improvement on 
you know the, the well-being the um, environmental aspect and the, the, the yeah creating a space that people can use so much better yeah. um, you know i think it, it's it's part of a journey i don't think we're you know we've still got further to go there's still more to do and there's a lot of research already being done but i think it this is very much of a, a key stepping stone um and i think it's um you know it's given us something that's very very powerful to use yeah can you can you explain what it was because obviously I've, i kind of sort of jumped in right to the end of the research as opposed to actually say about what it was so is it, it was in a, in a workplace wasn't it so um plp architecture in london um we actually used uh, one of the their meeting rooms in their in their building and plp labs is their uh, research and innovation arm um, of plp architecture and they were kind of running this project um and um what we did was we had we created this meeting room uh we had a we had three kind of scenarios um and we we had people the plp staff using this space um and changed the environment three times to give us these different measures um so you had a what well, the first environment was the sort of the baseline um very basic level of office space so they could use the space so they had everything they needed to use and do their work but there was no biophilic interventions there was limited views to outside there was kind of no real greenery or anything like that it was just kind of very you might say utilitarian um and then it was so they worked in that period for a certain amount of time there's a lot of monitoring done and again you know i can't help too much on the the whole research side of it but there was measurements based on uh, the how they were feeling so the emotional aspects as well as all the aspects of um, the actual measurements of the air quality the temperatures the how the people their heart rates their brain waves the all sorts of things um, <clears throat> so there was kind of like a very wide range of measurements so it measured across all three scenarios so it had this kind of baseline example and then it was completely swapped out and we created this fully immersive biophilic intervention, which our main, as far as Benholm was concerned, our main involvement, if you like. Um, so, you know, it had a big green wall, it had um, lots of planters and it had um, a, what we call a big sort of hanging sort of chandelier of ivies and things and to create a sort of meeting space and um, some planting growing up the wall and over the ceiling and so on. It, it looked absolutely stunning and they, they brought in no, a number of other elements the sounds, sounds of water and nature, mm. nice views to outside, some other natural materials and so on. So to create a really immersive experience. So the same work was done by the team using the space and the same measurements were all done and the surveys and so on while they're using that. And then after a certain amount of period of time, um, it was then completely swapped out again. We took everything out and it was back to the original setup, but with just a small amount of biophilic intervention. So there was just kind of about three or four plants. Um, they still had some views to outside. Um, it was more of what we call a typical office environment. Mm. Um, and the same measurements were done for that. So that was the kind of, so it spread over about eight week period and they had five people using this space. Um, and they got all these measurements during these three different scenarios. That was how that was all done. Yeah. And so obviously there, so there obviously was a massive difference between their the kind of the the bland 
you know, because I saw a photo, and I, I'm going to put a photo on the uh, actually on the website that goes with the and um, this particular podcast. Um, but it's like there it was it looked horrible actually. I mean, but it's like for me, it was like I've seen a lot of offices like that. It was just like the white table, um, the black chairs or the dark chairs, and the white walls, and you know, metal framed windows or kind of just that white frame windows. It's like like being in a prison or something. And then and then like you said, you've got you know just a few plants, but the actual that installation you do with all the plants and that it just looks alive and so inspirational really and and again it was you know it is interesting to see even the just the emotional aspect of going into a space like that you can actually see it on the on the the video about see the people walking in and just like wow you know it just that just that positive emotion yeah coming into a space like that just makes such a difference yeah exactly and i i find one of the um, interesting things and i'm, I'm just going to quote from a bit of the research here um obviously for those of us that work in biophilic design and um and also those who work in neuroscience knows that our brains need like little micro breaks to function and i think that's one of the things that biophilic design does we kind of we can look up there's plants there's a whole fractal thing that's going on there's the like movement of the leaves you know if you've got the window open or even if someone's passing by which is all good their little micro movements um the sort of continual focus for hours we know tires our little brain cells <laughs> and drains our energy um and in the research document and i'm going to quote it says you know it said actually what it is it's due to the buildup of glutamates um which is a type of neurotransmitter linked to learning and memory i mean i find all this sort of stuff really fascinating the whole kind of um, is that you know sort of neuroscience and the actual brain sort of chemistry <laughs> um, obviously access to nature helps our neural networks over sort of a period of time you know reduce that and uh, sort of recover from that mental fatigue uh, caused by that focused attention over a longer period of time I and mean, obviously that's one of the things that your research that you know that you that you supported you know it sort of gives us that respite is that right yeah yes it does and I think, you know, you actually sort of, if you actually step back and actually think about what nature does for us, yeah. or even how we, without thinking, how we interact with nature, um, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with a lot of designers and so on we talk to, but, you know, if, you, if you're feeling a bit stressed or whatever, you probably go for a walk out in the countryside, in the forest or on the beach or whatever, and you, you feel better. That is, it's it's a fact that as humans, we just have to have this interaction with nature. And it, 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 what you're saying is that what you've pulled out there is that information about, you know, what it actually does to us inside. It actually has that effect of creating that calmness, uh, just, just settling everything down, making us feel better. Um, take that, just bring that inside to the environments we work in and you can have the same, create the same effect. Um, which, you know, having that rest period or that ability to use the wrong expression, but calm down, <laughs> um, you can actually then work more effectively through through the rest of the time. I'm often asked by designers how you can persuade businesses to uh, pay out for, you know, plant installations and plant designs and that sort of um, also the maintenance of the plants, obviously, because it's, you know, it's nothing worse than looking at a dead plant or a half half alive plant. I think if it's worse. Um, but how I mean, you, you obviously, this this research is really one of the key things. I mean, it's great because I can now send people directly to the piece of paper and say, read this or go and take this to your, your business. Um, and um, I mean, for you, is this is this right? Kind of one of the 
are you quite are you quite excited about the research um should we say it's very confirming yeah um, that the the route that i think we're all the journey we're all on is very very confirming that it's the right journey yeah uh, this actually i think this research actually helps provide the provide the proper tools it provides a, a framework it provides a very very robust um academic background to how it's been arrived at so that you can actually prove that the, the there is this monetary value improvement that we can see um, by these types of intervention and i think it's really powerful for designers particularly to be able to talk to investors to to actually have that improvement and i think one of the things is it's always really important that you know typically um these types of things have been seen as an optional extra you know putting plant I, i'm always a little bit cautious to talk about when we talk about biophilic design planting is one element of it so you know i always kind of whilst i come from a company that provides plants so that's what we're all about you can't just say put a plant in the corner tick the box it's now biophilic there's more to it than that i always kind of want to try and make sure i'm clear about that um so i'm not kind of if you like manipulating the the conversation or using the words in the wrong way but i think plants is a really key element it's actual direct contact with nature it's it's proper nature if you like um so and i sort of think you know if you've got a proper biophilic intervention it will always include some plants so but one of the things is it must look good it must always look real must look really authentic um there's often a situation where or traditionally it's been seen that you know it's all right for the companies that are making loads of money you know they can get some plants and have it all looking nice because they can afford it the fact is that we all actually need this it shouldn't be seen as a luxury or an optional extra um the research shows that it's actually good for all of us it's good for our organizations it's good for the people that are using the spaces um so i think it's you know it's it's exciting to have this proper result um but i think it's again it's confirmation of of what we know um and one of the things you know as far as planting goes i always say that if the plants don't look nice if they don't you know a plant that looks nice and lush and healthy well, has a positive impact on that space and how you feel and so on if that plant starts looking sad and neglected and poorly and dying it doesn't just have a neutral effect it actually has a negative impact and you'd be better with it not at all so i think it's really important to understand when we're looking at the holistic picture of what we're trying to create um with these biophilic interventions um the whole principle of biophilic design is we are creating a positive environment that helps the people that are using those space to connect with the space. And it's the cost element is very small when you see the financial outcomes that are possible. We are very much seeing a movement or a, I hate to call the word a trend, but we're seeing this whole, at the moment, we're seeing a much more of a desire for um, big leafy plants. Like okay. we went through a phase of, everything being very architectural and minimal and so on. Um, but we're now seeing, you know, it's big leaves, it's full foliage, overflowing, trailing kind of that whole kind of um, bursting with life kind of look about about the planting that we do. And that, you know, to me, you know, if I if I see a, you might have a trough of plants, for example, if it's not full on overflowing, then it doesn't look right to me. So that's just my sort of 
how I look at things. <laughs> it must look nice. It, as long as it, it must always have, you know, whatever you do must have a positive impact on the space. Um, otherwise, you might as well not do it, not bother doing it. Yeah. Didn't you do the COP26 uh, yeah. installation? Yeah, so that was that was a really interesting project to work on and very high profile. Um, but yeah, we had probably the most obvious thing was with the great big COP26 letters that were used as the backdrop for all the filming and in, for a lot of the um, photo backdrops. Um, again, it was yeah, really interesting to do that and be involved in that one and see our staff perched on the top of the ladder on the front page of the newspapers and so on. That was quite good. <laughs> It's fantastic. It's it's really it's, it was a lovely thing. I mean, there's all different plants in there as well, isn't there? And um, do, do you remember what was in there? A lot of the planting that we used for that event was the Enviroculture system, uh, which is our planting system, which is a totally peat-free, soil-free planting system. Okay. Uh, which is uh, very good for the environment. Doesn't impact on our natural peatlands at all. Um, mm. There's a whole um, peat-free movement happening at the moment, and I think garden centres are now banning the sale of peat products in the plants um, is very much moving into our industry too. But we've, we've been kind of a step ahead for many years now using this Enviroculture system, which is a peat-free planting system. So again, that's that was a, you know, used for that, for that uh, particular event as well as probably, you know, a vast majority of our, our planting schemes use this system. Yeah, it's a, a sort of different um, sort of landscape designers and that that I speak to and and sort of tree people and plant people and that they, they always talk about the soil and you know this it all starts with the soil the quality of the soil the kind of pH level and all that sort of stuff um it's really important isn't it yes yes I mean it's all if you at the end of the day it's coming back to you're creating a healthy plant um if the plant is you know if it's rooted in the right conditions and it's given the right nutrients then you look at the environmental factors has it got enough light has it got the right temperatures and so on if the plant if you've if you've considered for the plant and the plant's needs then that plant will be healthy um, and if the plant's healthy then it will look nice it will have a positive impact on the space and ironically that's almost just you could you could have taken to replace plant with human <laughs> if, you know if the human has is planted in the right right environment it's going to flourish it's got enough light this is true isn't it actually it's daft you know, if we if we treated ourselves like we do the plants, yeah. <laughs> we'd be would be laughing really, wouldn't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, no, that's I mean, it's it's a fact. We're you know, it's the mm. the same broadly the same principles apply. This uh, this research that's been conducted, I think, really points the way to how we really need there is a you know a genuine need and it um to put biophilic design into the the particularly in workplaces and people I know obviously healthcare that's places where people work schools that's where people work so places and pet and spaces um where anybody's actually concentrating on anything schools included um it's, it's really kind of highlighted the fact that we need to have plants in um if you were going to give people some advice maybe you know maybe they have a space that's maybe you know they they want to do something they want to put um some plants in what what sort of advice would you give them you know are, you know are there, are there some steps that they should take first should they sort of clear up and clean up should they decide where to put them should they look at where the light is well you know what would you what sort of ideas what, what sort of advice would you give them adrian um so from our perspective um we would normally help advise on all, all that 
Um, so I think often it's just the understanding of, hey, we need to do something better with this space. Yeah. Um, having that understanding then and then I think understanding how the space is used or how it needs to be used um, and then working around that and looking at all the different elements that you've got that you can work with so you know as I said before biophilic design is not just about plants um, but it is a key element so looking at you know your the natural light is one of the key, really, really key things for everything, for not only the people, but the plants as well. Um, so, you know, it might be that you can look at how, how, where is the natural light? What can you open it up a bit more? Can you make it, you know, so that it's more effective somehow? Um, and then also looking at the, the materials that you've got within the space. So it might be that, you know, if you've got some exposed timber and, or stone floors or things like that, you can either bring in or add in. They're all part of bringing in elements of nature, even the, you know, the furniture views, you know, natural wood finish furniture rather than white, for example, yeah. you're just helping to bring that whole piece together. And then when it comes to planting, again, planting is, I would say it's a bit of a science in its own right. So you do need to kind of understand what you're doing. And I don't, usually don't recommend clients choose their own plants or exactly but the, what we tend to say is if you've got an idea roughly where you want it or what you want to try and achieve uh, we can help with the detail as far as the types of plants that work in that space how they might look how they how to present them in the right types of containers that are big enough for the root space and all that sort of thing um, and obviously in an interior environment everything needs to be completely watertight you don't want any water coming out on the floor or anything like that so again these are all considerations that are kind of a bit unique to an interior situation mm. um, but as far as the retrofit aspect which I think you mentioned was um, it's totally possible it's mm. it's um, whilst uh, from a new build perspective you've got a, uh, more of a blank canvas to do what you want to do right from the word go um, and you can build into the fabric of the building the structure that you need so if you need water supply, if you're going to have a, a lot of built-in planting or things like that, you can build all that element in. You can make sure there's lighting and everything else that's needed. But when you're retrofitting and you're kind of using the fabric of the building that you've got, um, there's still lots and lots of things you can do to, to bring in these natural elements. And it's certainly by no means um, a closed book. It's, you know, there are lots and lots of options. And, you know, what we've done with this particular research project, we've just we were reusing a space that was already there mm. it had been a meeting room and they used it as a um, as an office environment perfectly successfully um, and we've created a, a fully immersive biophilic environment within that space you've proven that any space really i mean that that's just like so that's, that space was quite boring to be fair wasn't it um, so you, wherever it is, if you, if you, if, so if you, if you sort of start with one, you know, one step up and you've got quite an interesting window or an interesting space, like you're saying, if you've already got exposed floors or, you know, timber, timber beams or something like that, where you can kind of maximize on that thing, on those natural elements. And if you put the plants in around you, um, I think that's what the research shows. It's, it's actually quite easy, <laughs> you yeah. know, if you, obviously, if you get the right advice, of course, you know, you don't want to put like sticky, you know, cactuses and, and things in there where people are going to stab them themselves and obviously if people into feng shui then that's obviously not a good thing anyway but um i, I think you know to, to actually get proper advice 
awesome. Uh, well, I've seen some of your stuff that you've done. I think it might have been outside pubs or something. And you've created these like higher level um, uh, displays. That's all I can say. They've kind of like got wood facades or you've kind of created a branding around the um, these like troughs, I couldn't, I suppose, or trays. And then the plants, like you said, they're just abundant and they're overflowing and all those things with flowers in them. And they just look so beautiful and uplifting. There's so many ways of presenting planting. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's one of the things that we do for a lot of hospitality venues is these kind of what we call barrier planters. They kind of help to create a bit of a divide or a screen effect or even just a root guidance. Um, but putting branding on it as well just means, you know, you get extra brand presence for the company. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of the things I always say is that go back to this fact that as humans, we have this connection with nature. If you're connecting your brand with nature, you're building that connection with the people that are seeing your brand and they're, they're connecting better with it. Um, mm. So, you know, I think it's very, very powerful. Yeah, exactly. I like the idea as well. You could like almost, um, obviously years ago, I used to work in branding before I, before I got burnout. <laughs> um, but I, I um, you know, you could pull a colours, you know, the colours of the brands as well, you know, or or colours that would um, complement the brand. So if you've got, a, you know, a bright red logo, you could, you know, put in ye bright yellow flowers or something or just something that would like completely stand out against it or loads of greenery against a red or, um, you know, yellow logos and yellow roses and yellow flowers. And I just love that idea. Yeah, there's um, probably it's quite an interesting case study on our website for company we've worked with um the rose tree gardens in edinburgh um we've worked with them for quite a few years but we've they've been through quite a few different changes where they've worked with different drink brands um so you know we had they did the launch of the bombay bramble um wow. and we, we had we had a, a red phone box with all flowers and stuff all over the phone box with bombay bramble signage all through it and picked out all the colors that linked with it and they've they then changed it and they went for the the citron um one and so you know with the phone box was a yellow phone box and it had blue and yellow flowers and so on and it's all about just creating that sort of connection and you know this this particular phone box creation that we did um with all the flowers and stuff over it and the branding um i couldn't tell you how many people have stood in front of that and had their photo taken and shared it on social media and if you think you know for the power of getting your brand out is fantastic. There's often a tendency with some design organizations that um, there's, when you look at the, the cost aspect of any kind of, if we look at the planting bit, the, you know, if you've got live plants, you've got an ongoing cost for the maintenance. And sometimes there's a bit of a, you know, an, an unwillingness to kind of have those conversations around the ongoing costs. And so they, the default setting is a little bit to just go well we'll just do it in artificial plants and i think one of the things that comes out of this research is that the the value is so significant ongoing um that any kind of uh, cost aspect of maintaining that keeping that keeping that creating that effect long term um is is neither here nor there really in the in the whole scheme of things um so i think um you know i would I would encourage designers not to go down the artificial route unless you have to. Um, you know, we, we do lots and lots of artificial plants and I'm not knocking artificial plants, but real plants are the best for us if you possibly can. 
um, and they they do have all these other added benefits. Um, and I always say, if you if you need to, some situations, artificial plants is really the only practical solution. If you have to do that, well, just make sure they look really real. <laughs> um, you want people to, you know, I'll, I always say people should be wanting to water our artificial plants because they look so real. <laughs> um, and of course, then there's the other side of it is there's the whole uh, preserved plants option that's now becoming much more widely available, uh, which is again real plants that have been preserved. So that's a kind of a little bit of a win-win in various different, you know, the whole piece. But live planting, um, it does something for you long term that's that's far better. Yeah, absolutely. Because the soil is good, isn't it? Uh, there was that yeah. NASA study that said that the soil itself actually helps cleans the air and and there's a smell there's a um i was interviewing lara lara cowan from the botanic shed and she was saying something i'd have to go i have to go back and listen to that podcast because she said something about the quality of what happens in the soil there's, there's something in the soil that's, that's sort of that the smell or the the spores or something is really good for us yeah well it's that is where a lot of the um air cleaning actually goes on is within the root space of the plants ah yeah, so there's a lot of the breakdown of the any toxins and so on in the air kind of actually a lot of that actually happens within the root space um, of the roots of the plants. So that going back to some of the original research on planting, which was Dr. Wolverton's report uh, for NASA was um, he had fan assisted planters that blew the air through the root space because to basically assist the air cleaning process because um, they were looking at using it on in space to provide sustainable air quality. Before I get to the final question, um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I think we've covered most of it. I think just um, I probably just at this point probably put in a um, a just a little mention of the 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 others that I worked on on this particular research project that. Um, just really glad to have been involved in the project. It was a real pleasure working with them. And, you know, it was it was really, really enlightening to see how it was all the approach that was made and how it was all looked at and the whole um, academic research background to what was done and to ensure that the results were robust and fair and could be relied on. Um, it was just really, really, um, it was really interesting. I learned an awful lot. Oh, that's lovely well we're gonna we're gonna come up and, and film in uh, Falkirk uh, later on in the year so um, listeners and watchers of the YouTube uh, channel uh, please look out for that because that's going to be really lovely I uh, hopefully we'll get some footage as well of all the plants and things that's in your showroom um, and in the backspace there so that'd be really nice too um, and also get to meet the researchers and actually drill down in the different elements and and kind of see how it's quantified and and analyzed and um, and things as well so um so I'm looking forward to that and also a trip up to Scotland's yeah. always good yeah. <laughs> well, I think the... it'll be a really good opportunity too for um designers and specifiers to be able to actually interact as well and to be able to ask questions about okay how do you actually apply this and how does it actually work and how does you know just to actually draw into the real life situations that we that we have yeah absolutely because you're hoping to be a panel discussion so people can come along and 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 actually ask the questions and and listen and and sort of meet the researchers too so that's the plan isn't it <laughs> it's, it's the plan it's just it's very early part of the plan but we're hoping we'll be able to pull it off so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you will i'm sure you will there'll be loads of designers wanting to come up and uh, and actually meet the um meet the researchers 
so right so final question so it's a bit of a kind of catch-up I suppose because I know you answered it like all those years ago when we did our very 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 first podcast together um but if you could paint the world now with a magic brush of biophilia what would it look like Adrian having access to nature for everybody I think is is the key um as we mentioned earlier traditionally or maybe going back a bit it tended to be seen as it was only for people that could afford it I think if you actually to as you say sort of the magic brush um and the magic wand if you like um I think to be able to make it so that everybody has access to nature I think that would be what I would what I would say is is where I would I would put that because I think um we know how powerful it is we know how good it is for us and if you can actually if you can make give everybody access to that you might say what wherever they're working wherever they're spending their time um if everybody has that access to nature um the world would be a better place everyone would feel better thank you for listening to the journal of biophilic design podcast